What is happening, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Dan Cable Presents Podcast. Thank you for tuning into the program once again. If this is your first time listening to the show, thanks for tuning in. Fresh episodes coming at you every Friday. If you want to help support this show, you can go ahead and hit subscribe on iTunes and rate and review the show. Click the five stars. You say a few nice words and that will help propel the show up into the iTunes charts and make the podcast more nationally visible, which uh, gives more exposure to the artists that come on and super helpful free way to support the show free content coming at you free way to support you know give back you got to give it to get it and then you give back um those are famous words they're not mine anyway um also you can check out the dan cable presents youtube channel it's got a bunch of in-studio performances as well as uh live videos from uh bills that i put together and also features a short documentary on the band tribe mars so check all that out. You can hit subscribe there and you will also find new videos popping up into your feed or uh, email notifications when new ones go up so you know what's shaking over there. Um, let's see. How about big ups to Ezra Bell? Uh, Portland band here that uh, just released a new record. A self-titled album you can find on iTunes and uh, Spotify. All that good stuff. I got to go and do a show review over at Mississippi Studios for their album release show, Moto Pony Opened, who's been on this podcast before. Moto Pony is one of my favorite bands in the Northwest. They fucking crushed it. It was insane. And then Ezra Bell came up and released their record at a dope little party over there at uh, Mississippi Studios. It was a... it was a really great show, and that was the first time that I had done a uh, like a proper show review. I, I did a write-up for Vortex Magazine to go along with some pictures that James Kemp uh, took, and it was interesting to watch a show knowing that, that I was doing a show review, and I was definitely making some notes throughout the night and, and hoping to, to write down some lines that maybe captured a little bit about what I was feeling, but it was, it was just a, just a new, new way to watch a show when you know that you're going to write about it. But I was also able to enjoy it equally as, as much as I do any show. And it was, it was just interesting to maybe observe the crowd a little bit differently. Usually when I go to a show, I'm uh, just kind of focusing in on what's going on with the band where in this sense, I, I chose to kind of, lay a little further out from the stage and and hang a little back so i could kind of see what other people's reactions were to the show and and they were amazing the band was amazing and uh i know why people dig that band and i every time i see them i kind of uh continue to learn why there's a there seems to be this group of musicians 
in uh, in the city of Portland that that kind of recognize Ezra Bell as as one of their favorite bands in the city. And every time I see them, I'm uh, I have a f- better understanding of why. So shout out to uh, to the band and uh, check out their new record. It's really cool. And you can also find um, my show review up on my the link is on my Instagram at Dan Cable presents uh, as well as the Twitter at Dan Cable. You can find me there. You can send me emails at dancablepresents at gmail.com. And uh, other shows going on. I uh, just want to... This is this is kind of a fresh announcement. Just found out about this one today. Uh, the Hackensaw Boys are coming. And uh, they're from Virginia. And they are playing the White Eagle on June 9th. And I'm super, super stoked to uh to announce that that brother not brother is is opening for them um brother not brother is a a band that that i manage and has been on this podcast uh a few times before and is even brought up in this conversation with my friend andy sado um so super pumped you should check check it out june 9th white eagle there's still tickets available some some available on the uh the website link they are 12 dollars um, and I think it's 15 at the door, so might as well get your ticket now so that you know that uh, you get a ticket before it sells out. So that should be super rad. Um, Hackensaw Boys are are a killer traditional folk band. If you haven't checked out their music, you should uh, check that out as well, especially if you dig the tunes of Andy Sado and, and things of that nature. Um, so that's June 9th, and I think that's all I got for you as far as you know calendar dates and whatnot we got uh i've got some shows in the mix that i'm trying to put together that i'm very excited about i'm going to uh be working with some very cool bands i've also got some other things in the mix but um yeah check out vortex music magazine check out dancablepresents.com the youtube channel all that jazz uh to keep up with what i am doing and um i'm pretty stoked for this episode uh, andy sado is on the show andy is from the denver colorado area i just got to hang out with andy for a few days out in denver uh, while i was out on the road with brother not brother and andy is somebody that i've met through this podcast and it's very cool that that he and i have developed this friendship even though we've only met in person a couple of times, but I always enjoy talking to this guy and I appreciate his drive and uh, his determination quite a bit. And it's, it's something that's, that's very inspiring to me and I love his music so much. He's a, a killer piano player as well as guitar player. He shreds on both of them. He's a great songwriter killer singer and and just kind of the complete package as far as a uh musician and has also just done a real good job about kind of adopting this diy mentality for for everything he's doing and he's just one of these these people that i'm i'm definitely rooting for all the time and i think andy kind of has this approach that he is going to do this as far as putting out music and being a musician. And I just love kind of his fuck you attitude towards anyone 
trying to get in the way of that. And um, I think that's kind of what separates him in my mind as, as someone that is doing that and, and does have the ability to continue to make his living off of music in, in some way or another. And it's just rad to, to hear his new record that we talk a bit about, which is called uh, Reasons for Departure. And it's such a beautiful collection of tunes and definitely my favorite songs that that Andy has written thus far on this record for me, with the exception of, of maybe Alibi, which is such an amazing song. But this uh, this record just really has some gems. And, and for anybody that's like a Jason Isbell fan or anything in that realm this this music is definitely for you and this is just a just a guy that works real hard to uh, to put his music out and and just over throughout the whole process of of delivering a quality live show and um just a, a really entertaining front man and yeah i'm just excited to to share this conversation with you guys and and share some of the music off this uh, this new record because I I enjoy it so much and and it was kind of one of those things right from the get go when I put it in I was uh, I was super into it and super pumped and it it starts off with this uh, this really great song which is the self titled track to the album Reasons for Departure and and that's what we're gonna get in into right now and then. We'll get into this phone conversation that I had with Andy. So this is it, everybody. Episode 113 with my friend Andy Sado. This song is called Reasons for Departure. Bit off another Monday morning. Slid down in my chair. Feeling sentimental. Gets me every time I think of you. Fighting all my reasons To let you in my head Change the locks to my location But you always let yourself back in I don't know the reasons for departure Seems like we almost never do I hope your sense of humor keeps you crazy Even if I'm just a joke to you Did you really mean to call me honey? Cause I haven't seen you since I hear you've got a new one Keeps you happy most never easy keeping things in line loving from distance keeps the things we want to say inside I don't know the reasons for 
seems like we almost never do I hope your sense of humor keeps you crazy Even if I'm just a joke to you Andy Sado. <laughs> What's up, buddy? What's crack lacking? Uh, How you doing? I'm doing pretty all right. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm just sitting in my uh, presidential suite here in Edmonton. <laughs> Edmonton, Canada. That's right. Canada. Everything's in Canada. It's worthless. <laughs> uh, did I pull you away from the bar? I hope I didn't interrupt your, your evening bar session before your gig there tonight. How do you know I was at the bar? Why would you assume that? Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't know. You know, you spend a few days with the fella in his home, and uh, you just maybe assume what's happening. Yeah. You know? Well, for your information, I was in fact at the bar. You're hunting. <laughs> well, um, the- I've been I've been working all day actually up at, at in in the desk in my room trying to get stuff done and i went downstairs to grab a quick beer before this interview because i thought you know it, it seems like it's six o'clock here it's an appropriate time for a beer i think yeah absolutely i mean you don't want to be nervous for the big show for the big podcast you know you don't want to you don't want to screw up your big opportunity on the program your return to the program you know I know it's a triumphant return. I, I imagine most of your guests, you've had over a hundred now, most of your guests don't get invited back. So this is sort of a this is a huge honor, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. We don't we don't allow any other guests to come back. So, you know, this is super special. Good. I'm glad to hear that. I feel I feel wanted and thank you. I appreciate that. Um, it's crazy though. It has been a little over a year now since you were on the podcast last so you know there's definitely some things to catch up upon yeah there certainly is and um 
and uh, it was good to see you in person. It had been a little over a year since I saw you in person last, too, but I got to see you and the the uh, the Brother Not Brother boys, what, just last weekend or two weekends ago. Yeah, man. We appreciate you uh, extending the offer to have us out to uh, to Denver there and spend a couple of days at your house and whatnot. Oh, I'm, you guys rocked it. I'm sorry we didn't make the house concert, like, super awesome. Um, next time we're going to have a super awesome house concert and you guys in the band killed it at Lincoln station. I love that band. You've, you've, uh, you've made good roots with them. I appreciate that. It's a, it's a, it's a pleasure to get to kind of be a part of what brother, not brother is doing and just get to kind of sit in on, on their, uh, their meetings on just like how they're approaching everything and, and kind of be another, uh, set of ears and, just another perspective to to kind of run through. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, well, the things that you've been doing for them is great too. And you know, just even like the reaching out and stuff for shows, you know, that goes that goes a long way to have someone else doing it for you, right? It looks uh, it looks professional, it looks official. Yeah, I mean, even yeah, I I do think it's. It's definitely a different vibe when someone else from the band is not reaching out to you. And I I kind of know that just from experience from this podcast now with the different people that reach out to do the show. You know, if if someone you know, even even if they're some just like bullshit person, just like a friend of the band that's reaching out as their manager or booking agent or whatever, it does appear like someone else is putting their time and energy to the to the project so that there might be a little more validity to it. So do people reach out to you? Is, is this okay that I'm asking you questions? Absolutely, man. Like, this is, it's a conversation. There's no, you know, it's not a, not like, it's, it's not a it's super not like interview. It's not like interview interviewer sort of thing. No, I, I don't like it to be that way, you know? I definitely, you know, have some some questions and and some things that I want to talk to you about, but I love when this thing becomes just a conversation between two people and the guest is just as comfortable firing back questions as I am to them. Good. I like that. I I listen to like WTF Mark Maron's podcast and some other podcasts and I like the conversation like format. It's very cool. But, um, Anyway, I was going to ask, so do, with your podcast, do people reach out to you? Has it gotten to the point where you're getting emails often from bands or people's PR or things like that to uh, to do the podcast? Or is it mostly you reaching out, or is it a combination? You know what, man? I've been pretty fortunate now that I am over 100 episodes deep um, that there is a lot of people that do reach out to do the show, and not just bands, but there are a few PR people that I'm working with pretty regularly or at least having them send me music and they'll just be like, Hey, this band is coming through Portland. We'd love to get some coverage. And I'll, I'm, I'm always very straightforward with them. You know, if it's something that I dig, then I will 100% try to do what I can to meet them at the venue for a chat or whatever. But if it's something I'm not into, I just kind of let them know. I, I can't speak about this genuinely and I don't have much of an interest. 
So then you don't do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I just don't do it. And so it's a little bit of both. Like I'm still definitely curating the show and, and seeing a lot of music and there's still, there's still tons of people that I want to bring on this show that I haven't yet, which is great. And then, like I said, I do get like a pretty regular amount of people reaching out to want to be on the podcast, which is um, some way validating, I guess, you know, and it's, it's also very, it's, it's very, it's very cool. Like when, when a band that you like or a band sends you music and, and you instantly like kind of fall for their music, it's, it's very cool that they have interest in, in working with me or, or being a guest on this thing. That's awesome. That's so cool. And and you, you have gotten some cool guests, right? Didn't you just get, uh, uh, your mom on the show? (laughs) You had Noah Gunderson on the show, right? I did have Noah on the show, man. That was, uh, that was a trip having Noah. Cause he's such a like big deal to me, you know? And he's maybe one of those guys that still flies a little further under the mainstream, radar but like within the indie world of singer songwriter stuff like that dude is a big deal to a lot of people so the opportunity to do that was like pretty mind-blowing and definitely like one of those moments i'm super grateful for but also stoked that it happened 75 episodes in because i felt like i was a little more ready for it if it had happened episode four it might have been a little daunting and you know what? That that did sort of happen with another band called the Sheepdogs, who are from Canada, where uh-huh. you're at right now. And yeah. they're like a big rock and roll band and one of my favorite bands. And I got the opportunity to talk to their singer about 12 episodes into this thing. And I was just very, like, I fanboyed out. And I was also so excited that I didn't really compose myself the way that I would have liked to. So that was a very interesting moment for me. Interesting. But now you feel prepared for it. Like if Bruce Springsteen wanted to be on the show, you'd be like, yeah, I've done this over a hundred times. Like whatever, Bruce, you can handle it. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I don't know if I would be that cool, calm and collected, but I do feel like I'm, I'm adjusted much better so that when I do get into those situations and I do get those opportunities because I do reach out to a lot of big names just for the hell of it because you get those situations like a Noah Gunderson thing where his people, his team is very responsive and it's like, yeah, we're going to do this. And it's like, oh, fuck, this is going to happen. So, I mean, I just try to reach out to like whomever I want to talk to I will give it a shot just because you don't know who's going to say yes but I do feel like I'm a little more prepared for those those moments now right 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 that's awesome man that's really cool but it is a hard thing sometimes to kind of just process that they are just a person you know because you have all of these expectations of of what they're maybe going to be like and right they're just a person so, right. Are they going to act like that character they play on your favorite television show, or do they have a completely different personality? Right. You know. Um, but so who, like, who do you who do you need to have on the podcast? Is there anybody that you're like, man, 
I got to have fill in the blank on here. Like, that's why I started this thing. If he's not on this podcast or she's not on this podcast, then then bust. Like, I'm getting this individual. Is there anyone like that? Yeah, I mean, I kind of have like a a top five, I would say. And nice. like just some bucket list people, you know, there's definitely that that definitely exists. So. That's cool. That's I love that you're doing the podcast and big congrats on over a hundred episodes. That's pretty huge. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. I know uh, since uh, let, let's just give people whom are listening who maybe you know didn't tune into that that first episode uh, just a little bit of background on you and and where you come from and and your music history a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I'm I live. In Denver, Colorado, I was born in Houston. I've been in Denver since I, or near Denver. I grew up near Boulder, I guess, uh, since I was about three. And uh, when I was young, my dad used to take me to this radio show called E Town um, a lot of Sunday nights, and we'd go see all kinds of stuff. I remember my first one was Kebmo, but I got to see North Mississippi All Stars and Buddy Guy and Robert Cray and, uh, you know, I. I think I saw Bonnie Raitt once. I all cut, you know, Ben Harper, the whole the whole gamut. Um, and so I was just introduced to really good music at an early age. I was just exposed to it, and we were always sitting in the front row. It was always a big deal for my dad to get there early and be in line so we could sit right up front. Um, so I developed a, a love for music at an early age, and uh, was really inspired by that. I started playing piano when I was very young. Um, my mom was a uh, my mom's a played piano my dad played guitar so we uh you know there was always instruments around the house growing up and i started playing uh piano and taking lessons and then in high school i, I picked up the guitar and harmonica and started writing songs and and things like that and uh now this is this is what i do all the time and it's super cool yeah man when you when your dad took you to those those gigs early on did it yeah. Did it? I mean, I know that you were drawn to it quickly, but did it sink into you quickly that this is what you wanted to do, or that that was even an option to be a musician as your job or career? I think it was always in the back of my mind, but no, I, I didn't realize. You know, I, I always wanted to be a professional baseball player. Like that was that was my dream as a kid. I wanted to be a pitcher, and you know, I loved Kurt Schilling. And, uh, you know, pitchers, I love pitchers. I was a big Cincinnati Reds fan, but we went to some Rockies games and, um, you know, I was always a big baseball fan. And then I, it hit me my junior year of high school when I still wasn't on the varsity squad. Um, but I was doing cool things in music. I was just kind of a little bit more naturally good at it than, than baseball. And I think there was a, at some point my junior or senior year of high school where I thought, fuck, I'm going to do this for this is what I'm going to do, isn't it? Um, and I, I think that's the point where really hitting is like, I'm going to be a musician, but I think it was always in the back of my mind as a kid seeing, seeing all these artists growing up. Um, but, uh, it, it was a little bit later, you know, halfway, almost all the way through high school where I realized this is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. That's wild, man. Um, did, uh, 
How do either of your? Parents... I'm not a good baseball player, by the way. I'm not a good baseball. <laughs> You're not a good. You realize that that you probably weren't going to make the big leagues as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was that was when it turned to music. That harsh conversation I finally had to have myself. Like, dude, you're not. You can love baseball, but if you're an average high school player, you're not going to play in the big leagues. Yeah, <laughs> so man. I was average at best. Yeah, I was. I was talking to my my friend Olivia, who I had on the podcast not that long ago, and uh, she was a pretty serious soccer player in high school. And and I played a lot of ice hockey growing up, um, and I just I think to to want to play at that level, like you have to be like have this incredible dedication to that sport too. Like whether you're good enough or not, like that has to be your all the time. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely, it does. Do you feel uh, do you feel like yeah. that's that's kind of the same thing though with wanting to pursue music as a career like it has to be in your mindset and of of how you can pursue that all of the time or at least a majority of the time It's become constant and and I realized that I recently I think that I love every part of the process. I know everyone complains like oh I hate the the Facebook and the social media, I just want to play, but I am so in love with the entire process. If I have to edit a short video to promo for a show, I'm all in on it. I want to figure out how to do it, how to do it well. If I have to make a poster, I want to do that. Um, I'll read books on, on how to Instagram better, you know, or, or whatever, even stuff that's not music related because it helps my career. Um, and so, yes, I think it's constant. It's all I think about. Uh, it keeps me up at night and gets me out of bed in the morning. And I love, I think that's where I realized how much I love music and how much I want to succeed is that I'm in love with every part of the process because the end goal is so overwhelming in my mind that, that I love all of it. Even, even the stuff that's not playing music, of course, my favorite thing is to write songs and play live shows. I think that's how it is for everybody. But I'm so in love with every part of the process, and it's just constantly what's on my mind. So I think, you know, in order to, to really pursue anything, you know, that you're truly passionate about, you have to you have to love it to a crazy extent, to no end, you know? Yeah, man. Um, do you feel like your enjoyment of participating in all of that process is is also just because you do do all this with a very like DIY mentality right like this is you don't have a booking agent or anything or like a manager this is not not at this point I have PR um, that I hired for this record that just came out earlier this month and I've got them on on board for another month so we're doing uh, well, I just decided today to extend it from four months to five months, so I'll have them through June. But I don't have management or a booking agent. I I would not be opposed either of those or or a record label. And I've gotten you know I've gotten an offer, but it's got to be just right um, because in this you know in this society that we're in, it's so DIY um, that we can do everything. I have the ability to book shows. 
and and do it well um, and and get you know get what we need for the most part depends on the town how many times we've been there but in order to hand things over to a booking agent for me I'm not just going to give you 15% of everything I make um, they really have to offer something that I can't offer myself um, so for now it is very indie and I am doing it myself I'm not opposed uh, I'm not opposed to growing or a booking agent or a manager I'm not anti uh, establishment or anything, not DIY or anything like that. But as of now, it's a, a very DIY thing for me. Well, and you've obviously found success in doing so. And so it would seem to me that like a booking agent or, or a manager would really have, have to offer you, be able to offer you something because you're capable of so much on your own of booking these, these tour runs, especially in specific areas. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the and I've talked to a couple of booking agents. The part of me that sort of wants one is, um, I think it would be easier to break into new markets. You know, the markets that I go to a lot. It's really easy for me now since I've had FaceTime and I've had a beer with these guys or a slice of pizza or whatever. It's easy to to text and say, "Hey, we're coming through town. Uh, what can you do for us?" And they'll give us as much as they possibly can. They'll throw in the hookup because we've had FaceTime with them. We've done that region before. Um, but it's a huge sacrifice to just go out and do it the first couple of times. You have to kind of build something. So I, I think it, the part of me that's attracted to a booking agent say is somebody who has connections all over the country, all over the world who can just plug you in places. Um, and I would still develop those relationships with, you know, face to face handshake when we get there. Um, but it'd be nice to have somebody, to help out with some of these new regions. Um, so that's sort of where I'm at with it. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, what's it like? Like, I know right now you're up in Canada in Edmonton and you're doing like a three-night stint in one one place, right? Five nights. Last night was our first oh, wow. night. Well, so we did, we did two nights um, in Saskatoon at a place called Bud's on Broadway. Monday and Tuesday, um, and then we just got into Edmonton last night and played our first show, and then we'll be here through Sunday night, and the whole band is being put up um, right on top of the venue. It's a hotel uh, with a, you know, it's it's a cool venue in, in, in the bar. They've got a bar, um, I guess, next to the lobby, and they have full back line. I'm playing on a, on a, a B3 uh, keyboard downstairs, and uh, it's a cool setup. That's awesome, man. Is that is that kind of a different energy when you're playing into the same? Obviously, there's going to be some different people rolling through, but is it is it different playing in the same room like that every night for for three to five nights? Well, there are a few people that'll come out every night um, or most of the nights, but for the most part, it is a new crowd. So I think we try to switch up the set list a little bit, um, try to call a few different tunes. And then if we are doing the same song five nights in a row, which is inevitable, right? I can't give them, we're playing three hours a night. I can't give them 15 unique hours of original <laughs> music. I just like that's you know, I don't, you know, that's, that's a lot. So I, we're trying to, what, what we do in these situations is try to switch things up. I played this on guitar last night. I'm going to go over to the organ tonight, or I took the guitar solo last night. Andrew's going to take it tonight. 
Uh, we played it fast last night because we had a bunch of people up dancing and wanting to swing and stuff tonight. It's a little bit more of a listening crowd. We're going to play it acoustic. Um, and I think that's sort of a fun challenge is trying to figure out how we can call audibles to draw the crowd in. Um, and, and we inevitably end up switching things up every night for that reason. Yeah, man. And I mean, you might not be able to do 15 unique hours, but I do know that for a majority of that three hours, if not the whole thing, you're playing like mostly originals, right? Yeah, we're playing mostly original music. We'll throw in, I don't know, probably three to five cover songs. Um, and we just try to strategically place them to catch the audience off guard a little bit. That's so that's so cool that you have that amount of time like that amount of songs to be able to play almost a full original three hours, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's well and we've cut out a lot of songs recently too and we're trying to get to new stuff. So that's that's cool to think if if we had to we could we could do a three or four hour set of just um of just original music. But I love I love throwing in a couple of hip covers. Lately we've been doing a uh a medley of Gold Dust Woman and The Chain from Fleetwood Mac. Nice. Uh, and one just kind of jumps into the other. And it's so much fun to look out at the audience. And everyone recognizes the Fleetwood Mac cover and digs it, but only a small percentage even processes that we just played two Fleetwood songs in one. You know, <laughs> when you switch, it, we, we set it up so it's so seamless that the average listener if you're not a Fleetwood Mac fan, doesn't even realize we change songs. But there's a few people in the audience who go, "Oh, oh man, that just happened," you know. So that's that's like one of my favorite things when we arrange a cover for an audience is, uh, you know, to try to do something a little bit different with it, and um, it makes it special. Yeah, and I also think that you've probably learned some incredible reading the room skills from doing gigs like that because I know that that you do do a lot of those three-hour gigs. So I would assume that that teaches you a lot about how how to play to a room. Um, it, it really does. And I still learn different things um, every night. It's, it's really tough to be in a situation where everyone's up dancing and having a great time, but you're sitting there going, man, should we do another fast song because everybody's up or should we go ahead and slow it down? Are we going to lose the room if we slow it down? Are they going to, or do they need that breather, right? Even if everyone's up dancing and grinding or swing dancing or whatever, everyone needs, everyone needs three minutes to slow dance or chill or go get another drink or whatever. So it's, uh, it's reading a room's tricky, but we've gotten, we've gotten pretty decent at it and are, I mean, we're learning new things every night. Yeah. And what about just from a performance standpoint, like as far as your endurance, do you have, do you, do you kind of pay attention to that as well as like, where's, where's the songs where we can kind of like take a break for a second and, and, and lay it back a little bit to, to regain some of your own energy? Well, that's, that's certainly part of it. I think, I think if, if you don't, if you don't deliver it, like you believe it to the audience, they're not going to, they're not going to believe it. People can sense genuine, even in today's internet age, people can sense genuine relatively easily. Um, so that is something to think about is man, am I, am I feeling this song right now? 
Um, if not, what am I feeling? Because b- bottom line is I can feed you a slow song or a fast song or a, a love song or, uh, you know, whatever, a rock song. And if, if I believe what I'm singing, if I believe what I'm selling, you can get it. You can get a crowd with it. If you don't, you can't. So and that, yeah, that's, that's certainly a factor. Um, I think another thing I've been, is that a weird sound? Yeah, I'm, you're good. You hear that? You're good. You're all right. It's just. Did you, did it's, you just honk at me? No, it's just like a, a text message coming through. Unfortunately, like I can't put it on airplane mode because I guess I need to put it on do not disturb mode. But you're good. You're all right. We're still here. Uh-oh. Okay. We're you, still doing you just, the program. You startled. It's okay. We're I'm sorry. I didn't. I didn't mean to. Uh, to shake you up like that. No, you know what? My heart rate about back down to where it was. We're good. We're good. Thank you. <laughs> um, but no, I think I think one of the one of the tough things is when you're playing when you're playing every night for you know, four, well, I don't know, maybe two nights off and a fourteen night run. There's those nights when you're going to play to nobody. It's I'm just I'm not at the point yet where we have full crowds every night, you know, not, not even close. I think I'm making steps in the right direction, but there are nights when you're playing to the bartender and, and five people. And I think that's where it's tough to, to really own it and really feel it. Um, you know, when there's a full crowd, no matter what we're playing, we're going to get into it because there's a full crowd. I think the toughest thing is, uh, is really, is, is trying to be in it every night, trying to feel the energy. And even if there's not energy in the room, it's easy to take energy from the room. If there's not energy from the room, how can you create it within yourself, within, within your band? Um, we have, you know, I have something I like to say with my uh, bandmates who I'm playing with, like, let's Bruce Springsteen this shit. Um, because Bruce comes out every single night, high energy, he's in his late sixties for like four hours. Um, and even if there was four people in the room, he would kick ass for those four people. Um, so that's, that's the biggest struggle is not letting your mind get the best of you in an empty room and, and say, man, we just, we got to rock the fuck out no matter who's listening, you know? Absolutely, man. Is, uh, is the boss Bruce Springsteen, uh, a big influence on you, man? Um, I think more recently, I've always been aware of Bruce and always liked Bruce, but I think the last couple of years I've gotten more into him and I, I got to see him live, uh, March of 2016. He came to the Pepsi center and I was sort of blown away. He played, I, I remember three hours and 47 minutes, which is, man, that's like a long baseball game. And, uh, I don't think I saw him take a drink of water the whole time. I mean, he may have, but I don't. It, it was insane. I mean, it was go, go, go. He was running here, running there. Um, you know, and at the time he was, what, 66, I think. And I just thought, man, he's in better shape than I am now. Um, it, you know, it, it, it was kind of, it was kind of amazing to, and, and I'm influenced by, by that with his approach. And that's, you know, that's how he got to become the boss was he just went out and kicked ass every night, no matter what. Yeah, man, that, and he's just known for doing those crazy long shows like that. And it's, like you said, it's super impressive, especially knowing that he's in his 60s. And 
Like I've seen Pearl Jam do it live as well. They're like very known for like doing these extended shows. Like the only time that I've seen Pearl Jam, which was a couple years ago, they played for three hours, and I'm I'm just like, how is this still happening? (laughs) It's insane, especially you know it's the artist wanting to do it. They're not getting paid extra probably by the venue. You know, if you're a big headliner, you can say, hey, we're doing ninety and we're out. That's what the contract says. And, and um, so I wouldn't when, even be mad at that. <laughs> no, you can't because 90, man, especially for a guy who's going on 70, 90 minutes sweating and running around and working your ass off, that's a long time. So you know anything beyond that, that, you know, 75 or 90 minutes set for a big headliner, anything beyond that is just they love to do it. And nothing against anybody who plays a shorter set. I. I certainly get it. You know, I don't know that I'll be able to play for four hours when I'm that age. Um, but it's, it's amazing the people you do who do, and you know that they, that they love it, even though they've played thousands of shows and they've toured thousands of different towns, they still love it that much. And that to me is very inspiring. Yeah. It's super, super beautiful. And like you said, it's just very telling that that is what they want to be doing. You know, they want to go do that for three and a half hours every single night because there is no obligation to do so and no one would be no one would be upset if that wasn't you know if it was 90 minutes or two hours they'd all still be stoked like (laughs) so um, yeah absolutely well cool man maybe we uh maybe we'll get into a track off your another track off your your record here and then we'll talk about talk about that new record how's that sound let's that sounds perfect. How are you? Uh, how are you for time? I know that you have a gig starting there sometime this evening, or or a a drink that you left at the bar to attend back to. No, no, no. I I I brought the drink. I went down for one beer, had one drink today. I got it and I brought it back up to the bar and I was ready for the interview. So I'm uh, I'm all good, man. I'm all yours. This guy's a champion. This is a. Uh, this is a track from the new Andy Sado record, which is called Reasons for Departure. And uh, this is a track called Hearts Go On. She got you late after the high school game Cause you didn't wanna be alone She stopped giving the time of day Makes you wonder what you could've done Didn't seem to take much time Till she found another guy Cause it's new, then it's gone Then it's angry, then it's calm After the love is gone, hearts go on Hearts go on Take two, the minute she pulled her hand 
it coming Didn't have the chance What she thought she wanted then To her was way back when Poor thing She may never know You move on Find something Trying not to think, but it's hard for you. Polyester parking lots, faded jeans, stupid thoughts. You'll never be the same. Cause it's new, then it's gone. Then it's angry, then it's calm. But after the love is gone, hearts go on. Hearts go on. People changing, people lose their touch. Find their love in. Hearts go on Now hearts go on Our hearts go on Our hearts go on Our hearts go on All right, dude, talk to me about this new record that I've been geeking out on super hard. It sounds fucking great, and these sound like some of the definitely some of the best songs that I've heard from you. Well, it's I appreciate that a lot. Um, it, it just came out uh, beginning of this month, May 11th. Um, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. This is my fourth one. And, uh, this is the first one where I could hand it to anybody and say, Hey, I'm really proud of this. And, um, I, I got to meet my, uh, I got to open for my musical idol, uh, Andrews Osborne on new year's Eve this past year. And I had a few copies and I handed him a copy and you know, who knows if he'll listen to it or, or throw it away or use it as a coaster. But I handed it to him and, and I didn't have any, uh, there wasn't anything that went with it like, well, we have some new stuff coming out, but check this out for now. Or, well, the mastering guy sort of messed up, but this is what we got. I just handed it to him. I said, hey, this is my CD. I think it sounds great, and I and I hope you like it. And uh, that's that's really cool because I've never felt that way about a product before. Like, hey, I'm actually – I'm not torturing myself with this. I really like it. No, it's not perfect. Yes, I can do better, and I will. Um, but I, I really like and believe in this product, and I'd, I'd hand it to anybody. Dude, that's that's so rad to hear because I think so many times you do make a project, and there are these maybe moments that that will make you cringe or something, and you know that you can't you can't replace those. So 
to have no hangups on the thing and just be able to be so proud and in, in handing it out. And I'm, and I'm sure that that's going to, to shine through and, and hopefully cultivate like so, some cool energy around it. Absolutely. Um, you know, and at, from the musician perspective, we're all picky perfectionists or whatever. You just have to let go of the, Oh, I wish the slide guitar was louder right here, you know? And, once I allowed myself to let go of that and, and let everybody do their job, you know, um, I was able to listen to the record at the end and say, man, this is a good record. I'm really proud of this. And I'm so glad that it's put out just like this. Yeah, man. And I know that you've been working your ass off to, to get it all out and, and get the proper release done for it and everything. Um, and I know you mentioned earlier, this is kind of the first time, that you went with like a PR campaign for the, for the record. Um, was there just something different or something special about this collection of tunes to you that, that kind of spoke to you to say, Hey man, this is the one to go all in on. Um, yeah, part, partly I made a promise to myself that I wasn't going to, that my next record I'd go all in on, uh, no matter what, because I think, and I, I, you know, the first three records I'm proud of as well. It's not, I'm not talking down about those, but there was a point where it was like, oh, I don't, I don't have enough money to do this, or I don't have enough time to do that. And you end up going back and listening to the product and whatever it is that you, you know, that I, that you shortcut it, whatever part of the process, I end up hearing that and just, you know, it makes me cringe. And I said, man, I, I want a record where I don't do that. I want to hire a producer who aligns with me musically. Um, I want to, you know, have a, a mixing engineer who I trust. And, um, of course, it was still a budgeting thing, right? Because it's not, you know, for a full-time musician, there just isn't unlimited uh, cash flow and resources. Um but I, I just sort of decided to myself I was going to go all in with it. In, in terms of the batch of songs, um, I feel I always want to improve and I always want to write better songs. Um, and I think I'll always be a little unsatisfied to that extent. But um, because there's always there's always better and more in that whole mentality. But I feel as though I've kind of come into myself um with who I am as a writer and who I am as an artist, where I think the the previous three records, especially the first one, if you're to go back and listen to that, um, I'm sort of just flailing my arms up in the air with, Oh, I love music, but I don't know what I'm doing with it. And this is the first batch of songs where I feel like I've really honed in on, on my style and who I am. Um, and so for that reason also, I think it made sense to just go all in on it and see what happens. Yeah, did, were uh, were most of these songs all written around the same time, or are these some of these jams ones that you've kind of had around for a while? It's I'm trying to think, actually. Um, you know what? It varies. It, it's within a couple year period, I would say, um, which is a relatively small small period for you know ten songs end up on an album. Um, so yeah, they were they were within a couple of years of each other, but yeah, some certainly have been staples of our lives set for a while, whereas others, you know, I wrote shortly before going into the studio. Yeah, man, there's just 
There's just some real killer jams on this one, including that Hearts Go On song, I think is my, my favorite song on the record. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, and Reasons for Departure is is such a killer jam. And, and right from the get-go, and I'm, I know I told you this in the first conversation I had with you when we re- recorded the podcast about a year ago, I... I instantly get those those Jason Isbell vibes as soon as I hear your tunes, and I know he, that dude is is a big deal to you. Um, but I don't know, man. It just evokes like that that same emotion on on some levels for me, and and I love his songwriting so much. So it's it's uh it's very cool to hear your your jams. Well, that that means a lot. A lot you say in that. I know you know Jason has, yeah, certainly been, you know, the last few years a big influence because he that dude turns a phrase like, I don't know who else turns a phrase like that, and I know that's that's ignorant to say because there's so many great artists and so many great songwriters, but uh, you know when you listen to his music, you go, man, are you kidding me? You know, he's like a songwriter porn in a way. I think he just. He words everything so damn well. So, um, no, I really appreciate you saying that. And he's, yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's the shit. Yeah. And I, I think that you're very much, like you said, coming into your own with like turning a phrase yourself. And there's, there's definitely, you know, a lot of moments throughout this record where I'm just like, Oh, holy shit. I can't believe he just said that. Or <laughs> I can't believe the the way he put that one together. So I think there's, there's, awesome. yeah, there's just a lot of those moments for me on there. And then, and then you have songs like the bus driver song, which I think just really show off your, your piano playing skills, which is rad. We sort of went away from the, the piano a little bit on this record. I'm only playing it on three songs. Um, so that was interesting too, to not have the piano as a crutch. I've, I've kind of always had that as a crutch live. Like I can play, I can play fast boogie woogie, so watch this kind of thing. Um, but I wanted to get to a point where I don't have, I don't have to rely on the piano playing, but rather can just rely on the strength of the song. So I, that was another uh, sort of goal for this record. Yeah, um, and I know I know you're a dude that plays a lot of shows, like both full band and solo. So when you're making a record like this. Is there a lot of thought of how it's going to transfer over into the live setting as far as not going all like willy nilly with crazy amounts of layers of production? Um, well, I think when we do them live, we switch up the song. I mean, a lot of them we do play just like the album. Hearts Go On, we play just like the album. We'll speed it up some nights depending on uh, the energy in the room. But. Um, you know, in directions to the moon's the same thing. We'll speed that up some nights, but I think we just, you know, on the longer sets, we'll they're fairly similar to the album, but we'll we'll jam. You know, we're not afraid to extend out on things. So I I think that's that's really the only difference is I I let the songs be what they are in the studio and and uh, let them be what they are live as well, even if they're a little different. Yeah, and um. Did you like track all of the guitars on the record? Uh, most Chris Daniels of Chris Daniels and the Kings, um, who produced the record, did some guitar. Uh, he did some guitar on there as well and added some really cool things. 
um, he was my music business professor in college and we've kept a, a close relationship. So he produced the record, added a couple really rad guitar parts to it and some backing vocals as well. Right on, man. Is there a, is there a track on the record that that's your favorite or, or means the most to you? Um, whew, that's a tough question. I think my favorite finished product is directions to the moon because i i i really liked how that turned out sort of a a swampy a swampy feel to it i just like how the groove turned out at the end because i was never satisfied with how we were playing it live and then we brought it into the studio and that's finally kind of like what my ears wanted to hear um so i i like the finished product of that one in terms of the song that means the most um, reasons for departure probably means the most, um, lyrically or from a, a real life standpoint. Yeah, man. And you made such a killer fucking music video for that song. I can't take credit for making the music video. Um, I'm not, I'm not that talented. Greg Carr, uh, who's an amazing artist. He did the album art as well. Actually, he drew like a thousand little pictures um, if you haven't seen the music video yet, please check it out. Greg did an incredible job. Um, uh, he's an older guy in his sixties or so, and he's done music videos and, and, uh, uh, play sets and album covers. He does weird album covers, pop up accordion albums, whatever. Um, and he's really extraordinary. And he drew like a thousand little pictures and sequenced them all together, sort of like a flip book. And I have no idea how he drew that many accurate pictures. Um, but he didn't trace, you know, he wasn't like, uh, I, if there was no, there was no tricks. He hand drew everything. And it's kind of, it's kind of amazing how he did that. Yeah. It's wild how it all comes together. And then it's so, it's so rad when, when the girl just a, a, appears on the piano, kind of sitting up there. It's, it's yeah. very yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. He had the, he had the vision, and uh, we we got together with um, uh, Scott McCormick, another uh, video guy in Denver, and he put up a green screen, and they video they videotaped me playing it a couple times, and then they videotaped the girl as well, um, and then you know threw the song a couple times, and then he just took those home and and drew to it. Right on. Well, it's a it's yeah. a it's a beautiful record, man. I'm uh, I'm stoked to have any association with you. <laughs> man, I'm stoked to have an association with you. I'm even more stoked to have an association with that beard, man. <laughs> you got four. No, I mean, I, I had a blast just kind of hanging with you um, when we were over in, in Denver a couple of weeks ago. And just to, I don't know, man, just to, to get to know you a little bit more and, and, just see how determined you are to to carry music out as your career and your lifestyle and whatnot is is very inspiring to me and like your drive is super impressive oh, i i appreciate that a lot and and uh likewise you know it's so cool that you've but hey, I'm going to do a podcast. I'm going to get involved in the music scene. You've talked to some super cool people. Um, I listen into the podcast and, um, in, or to the program, I should say. And that's, uh, 
that's super cool what you've done. And again, you know, putting yourself uh, in a position to be hanging out with the brother, not brother guys and befriending them. Super cool too. I'm glad we connected that way. Um, I went to middle school with, with Andrew and uh, that band's doing awesome. I love those songs and the style and I can't wait to see what, uh, what those guys do. No, it's, 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 it's crazy too, because you do make those types of connections that you would have never made otherwise. So now, you know, like when I, when I roll through Colorado, I know that, that Andy Sado is maybe around, you know, and I can, I can call Andy and say, what's up. And just, uh, it just continues to connect me with people, not only just here in the States, but even with a few outside of the country as well, which has been so cool. It's really cool how, how there's, it seems like there's so much in the music industry and it's so hard to make it doing anything. And yet at the same time, it's, it's a small community and everybody, uh, everyone kind of looks out for each other and that's, and, and you, and you get to know a lot of people really quick, which is really neat. Yeah, absolutely. Hey man, how long has it been since you like quit your last day job? Like, how long have you cut, like been a career musician and making, making your financial means that way? Well, it's, I still, I, I guess I would still consider teaching a day job to some extent. I teach private lessons uh, a few days a week, and I've been doing that for over five years now. But I I made music-associated things my only source of income right after I graduated college in 2013. Um, I was working at Wahoo's Fish Taco, and I quit that job and started doing a, a dueling pianos gig in teaching. Um, and that's sort of when I decided I'm, I'm not going back. This is too good. It's gotta be, it's gotta be music related. So I guess, uh, a little over five years now. That's so killer, man. Congrats. You should be super. Thank you. You should be super pumped on yourself for that, man. Like not, not everybody is, uh, kind of cutting the, cutting the ties and, and going out and doing something like that. Like that's something I think about consistently, but still, still not ready to, uh, to do something like that. So I admire that, that ambition and just that, um, that trust in yourself and like in the process of, of that it will work out. It's, it's very cool. There's, there's a lot of uncertainty at times, but, um, I think, I think taking away the option of a backup plan, which is sort of what I did has made it is what's made it possible, you know, um, realizing, okay, how am I going to make money this week? And I don't even think about anything that's not music related, um, at this point. And honestly, I think the only thing I did that might be any different from some other people that are considering it was, is I, I literally just took away the backup plan, um, and said, okay, it's music now. Yeah, absolutely. And as far as the teaching goes, I know you, you said that you, you consider that a day job and I understand why, because it, it is an obligation at times, but do you feel like that's something that kind of fuels you a lot though, to, to see young musicians and, and helping them like empowering them by, by teaching them skills that like with an instrument that could very well, you know, take them around the country or all over the world to play. 
No question. And I have a couple of students right now that will absolutely do that and will do much greater things than anything I'll do. Um, and that feels, that feels amazing. It's so rewarding. I love teaching um, and I'm good at it. And I, and I'm sure I'll always teach to some extent. Um, I think the only reason I still call it a day job is because I would, I would like to get to a point where I can be more exclusive with who I take on. I don't, I don't want to have to take on, you know, everybody who reaches out to make ends meet. I want to get to a point where I'm taking on um, kids who love doing it and are then are somewhat serious about doing it. And even if they don't make a career out of it, that's okay. But um, that's the point I'd like to get to teaching wise. Um, but I'm sure I'll always do it, um, you know, in some form or another. And I, I do absolutely love it. I have a, an ensemble of high school kids. And it's so cool seeing them, you know, the other week they went out and did their end of semester show. Um, well, we sort of make up semesters. We're not associated with the school. But um, and, and at the end, they sat there and jammed and took requests for another hour and a half. And they just did their best. If someone didn't know a song, the other kids would help out. And it was it's really cool to see them making making things happen musically. So it's, that's very rewarding. And it definitely fuels me in a big way. Yeah, do you do you feel like there's anything in particular like or a big moment you've had that that teaching others has has taught you like life-wise or something that um, you you I, keep with you often? Uh I think there's there's something rewarding and and something fueling uh for the mind to see a light bulb go off with somebody when somebody leaves a lesson just totally stoked and you know that it was the best part of their week um that makes me feel good too um not not to be selfish about it but that also makes me feel really good and i love i love seeing the light bulb go off and you know it's gotten to the point where a couple kids have jumped up and sat in with my band when we're playing around denver and it's seamless they just jump up and and they just play. And that's, uh, I don't know. There's something, there's something really cool about that. I'm trying to think in terms of a life lesson. Uh, I, I think helping others, helping others succeed is really rewarding and, uh, feels, feels really good and it helps everyone out. So I don't know if that's a life lesson, but I, I love that part of it. Well said, man. And I appreciate the fuck out of you. And I hope that uh, you have safe travels on your your current tour. Um, yeah, thank you. I, I appreciate the fuck out of you, Dan. Where where can the fine folks of the program keep up with uh, Andy Sado and and the band? Well, if you can get to Edmonton, Alberta before June fourth, we'll be here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this Otherwise, guy he's so hilarious i told him to be funny and there he goes he's a he's a he's hilarious um but no otherwise uh andy sido s-y-d-o-w.com uh, i keep up with shows and everything you can sign up for the email list or just shoot me an email or reach out on facebook or something i'd love to hear from you would love to meet you would love to network right on man um and i know that you're you're going to you're gonna drop a podcast of your own here pretty soon. I know that you've you're you're ready to do so. I've been talking about it. I finally got I've been finally got the gear. I feel like 
I've been busier than ever lately, which is a good thing. And I also feel like I've want, I want to do more things than ever, which those probably help fuel each other. But I have all these crazy ideas of things I want to do. And, and one of them is start a podcast. And I've gone as far as record a couple episodes, um, you know, so we'll see in what capacity and when they get put out. But it's definitely something um, that I want to do. And, sort of, and it, it would be kind of similar to this, just talking about music and shooting the shit with people. Um, and uh, yeah, so we'll see. I don't have a release date or anything, but uh, I've got some ideas and I've interviewed a few people and I've got a few things set up. So uh, look for that in the future to be competing with this podcast. <laughs> That'd be so good, dude. I would love to see your podcast and my podcast up in those iTunes charts. Maybe mine's slightly above yours. Just, you know, <laughs> just, you for, want, you just want for competition's like, sake, you know? Yeah, well, you you want at least like a two-point buffer. You know, if you're 23, you don't want me any, you don't want me at 24, you know, 25 or below is cool. Just so you've got a little buffer there, right? So you sleep <laughs> at night. Absolutely, man. You know it. <laughs> well, I look forward to seeing yours. Uh, continue to succeed it's a great podcast and more people should be doing what you're doing it's awesome i appreciate it man it's uh i feel very fortunate to get to do it and i feel feel fortunate to like have enough people around me that are kind of fueling me to want to do so because i definitely couldn't do it if there wasn't a bunch of inspiring people around me so uh that's awesome yeah buddy we're gonna we're gonna play it out with uh, another one of my favorite tunes from your your record, "Reasons for Departure." We're gonna play it out with uh, "Shame on Me." Sweet. Um, and also, you gotta you gotta say the tagline for the show so that we can properly end it, which is uh, "It's a program," and you know that because you listen. And uh, dude, I've been I've been waiting for this moment for the last fifty eight minutes. The interview's been <laughs> great, but. I- just really wanted to say i just really wanted to say it so you just let me know when i'm ready oh you you go ahead okay one two three big open spaces that's a program you messed it up <laughs> oh no what i messed it up it's it's a program there's no that oh shit you get you you got that. too far got in your head. You got too far in your head. You yeah, I even, you, I even, you tried to create all this bullshit space, and <laughs> it left I you nowhere. Spaces thing. Yeah. All right. All right. All right. All right. We'll give do you I a. Get, second. I'm gonna, do I get another time? Well, hey, yeah. We're, you know we're not gonna. Rock and roll. We're not you gonna. Get one redo and rock and roll. <laughs> yeah, we're not. I mean, we can't just end the show like that. Anyhow, I'm not gonna let. I'm not gonna let you go out like that, Andy. All right, here we go. I'm not going to do the one, two, three thing. I'm just going to say it. It's a program. <laughs> there it is. That's Andy Sado, Daryl Sado on the uh, Dan Cable Presents <laughs> podcast. Uh, much love, buddy. Uh, this is this is a song called Shame on Me from the new record. I will put all the links in the episode notes so you know where to find Andy. And uh, we will catch you on the flip side, Portland. I'm the penny you left in the wishing well Then you walked away So happily With nothing
shame on me And I let you down Shame on me Shame on me Think dripped from the smile That you used to wear It's a program.